Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Without a healthy mind, being happy is hard. Visit betterhelp.com slash kindoffunny and see if online therapy is for you. What's up and welcome back to the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by the new face of video games, Blessing, Eddie Oye Jr. What's good, Tim? Very excited to have you here today, Blessed, to talk about Very video games. Yeah, yeah. And joining us uh, for one of his rare on-camera appearances of the Kind of Funny Games cast, it is the sad boy himself, Barrett Courtney. Hello. Sorry, I had myself muted in OBS as well. So. Yeah, I had to do your best Kevin impression there. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and, and joining us as well, just not visually, is the one, the only Nitro Rifle, Andy Cortez. I wish I had reverb on my voice for when Barrett was like looking up as if the gods are speaking. I'm here, everyone. <laughs> I am among you. There was some, uh, some issues happening with internet and Discord uh, that are affecting Andy and not Barrett, even though they're in the same house. But you know what? That's the internet sometimes. Nothing yeah. ever makes freaking sense. Uh, so Andy is with us, just not not visually. So you're good. I need everybody to go pull up. If you're watching this on YouTube, pull up an image of Andy on the side and just have it there the whole time just so you can like really get the full effect. You know what yeah, I mean? I have, I have my favorite Andy picture up right now, so. Print it out on your on your Wi-Fi Hewlett Packard desk jet printer. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a little little small photo. It doesn't need any to be bigger than you know five by five, something like that. Just have it up on the side, you know. It's definitely it's definitely not a games cast without uh, Andy's appearance and Andy's hair just gracing this, the the screen. By the way, Andy, do you have? I know in our intro we have like our different uh, like character associations. Like I'm Sonic. Uh, Tim is. Who are you, Tim? Are you the uh, Cloud? Is that you? Uh, Ash. Yeah, well, Zach, technically. Zach. And yeah, okay. Ash uh, from Pokemon. Gotcha. And Crash hey, you, as well. Do you have a character? I don't. Um, when are we going to make that happen? I don't. I I worry about the curse. I think I didn't care about the curse until more and more people started talking about it and it became more and more real. I drew Jared. He left. I drew Fran. He left. I drew Andrea. She left. And Ron. I am kind of worried about the curse. So, like, if I draw myself... I give it two weeks and I'll be working at Smart and Final bagging groceries. Like, I don't know what's happening. Damn, I'll dude. be bagging groceries. I'll be Uber eating somewhere. I'll be back at Best Buy. I don't know, Bless. I'm scared. Or you're, or you're working at somewhere bigger. Because, like, I think you're, you're, you're underestimating the fact that when all these people left, they're leaving for bigger and greater things. No offense to kind of funny. You know, I work hey, it here. is what it is. But, like, it is what it is, right? Like, Emron's Antonio getting Spurs. that fan bite money. You know what I yeah. mean? Jared Antonio was Spurs. working for Google. Saying it to, like, this, is, this could be you leaving for the Lakers. Oh man! Okay, <laughs> this, this could be the break. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm starting it now. I'm starting it now. I'm working on the art now. Who are you gonna be? Is it a surprise? <laughs> I don't know is. actually. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. Make there. yourself the drifter from Hyper Light Drifter. Ooh, I want man. you. To, I want you to be Zero from Mega Man X. Oh Whoa. man! Wow. Yeah. Either yeah, like Zero or. It could be a Hunter from Bloodborne. Yeah, Hunter from Bloodborne. A lot of good I'm, options. I'm thinking Artorias from, from Bloodborne. Artorias from Dark Souls. Bless, I can make you the Hunter from Bloodborne. Can I, is there is there a way I could sub out my Sonic character? Because like 
listen, I love Sonic, but seeing myself in the, as Sonic in the intro every single week has been doing something to me mentally. <laughs> but I, I don't but appreciate. You did it to yourself though. I didn't realize what I was doing when I answered because that that came from Greg when I was still an up and comer and didn't realize that I was working for kind of funny. Greg asked me the question either on Gamescast or on um. Uh, what was it? We have cool, we have friends. cool friends. I think I think it was Gamescast actually, where Greg, Greg or you, Tim, asked me like, "Who? What would my character be for the Gamescast intro?" To which my immediate answer was, in fact, I don't even know if it was media. I think I had to think about it for a second. But in 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 the moment, trying to figure out an, an answer, I think I just said Sonic the Hedgehog because I love Sonic the Hedgehog. If I knew that that would become a reality, yeah. I don't know if I would have said Sonic the Hedgehog. You're you're a little too hasty there in answering that question, you know. Yeah. Well, he had to go fast. And he did. I, I, th- he I think did. at the time we had a bunch of different variations, Tim. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, yeah, we have you as as Crash as well. Crash, Ash and Zach and Zach. That's right. But like in the intro, didn't it that all just get replaced by just one person is one is over time. Shortened, over we time, added more yeah. people and we shortened. The, it used to have a whole different theme song because I drew the- Fran as Leon Kennedy. Yeah. In in RE4. And I Samus. Fran as Samus. Mm-hmm. I drew Andrea as Shepard and I think something else. And I think Jared Petty, I drew him only as Mario. I don't know. It's it's been a it's been a torrid history. It's been it's, a it's been a long history. It's been a lot. And stay mm-hmm. tuned here to the kind of funny games cast to see what it ends up changing into and when Andy will join the Los Angeles Lakers. But this is <laughs> the kind of funny games cast where each and every week we get together to talk about video games and all the things that we love about them, or in the case of Blessing at Aerie Jr., who's having a no good, very bad video yeah. game month. The things yeah. he doesn't love about them. Uh, but you can get the show, like I said, on youtube.com slash kind of funny games or roosterteeth.com. You can also get it on podcast services. Just search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny games cast and we'll be right there for you. If you want to get the show ad free, if you want to watch it live as we record it, you can do just that and get the exclusive post show by going to patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like our Patreon producers, Omega Buster, Tyler Ross, Delaney Twinning, Julian, the gluten-free gamer, James Hastings, Casey Andrew, Elliot, and Tom Bach have all done. We appreciate you all very much and you won't have to listen to ads later for Upstart Purple and fit bod but now that we're here blessing i want you to tell Mm -hmm. me all about blessings no good very bad video game month well tim it all starts with blessing super fun games calendar 2021 because the the big kickoff for the calendar was supposed to be august august was supposed to be the month of legends as some would call it is that because uh the hit video game hunters arena legends came out this month that's one of the reasons the other reasons were I had games that I was really looking forward to, uh, Tim. Games mm-hmm. like 12 Minutes. Games like No More Heroes 3. Did both of those games disappoint me? Yes, some more than others. I talked about it a few weeks ago on the 12 Minutes review. I do not like 12 Minutes. I really wanted to love that game. That was, if you remember, on the Blessing Super Fun Games calendar, that game had the hype seal of approval, which very few games do. Wow, if you look true. through the calendar, Games like Deathloop have it. Games like Key and a Bridge of Spirits have it. Games like <laughs> the Riders Republic has it. For- Forza Horizon 5. Games Another that we example, know- Bless. Another example. <laughs> games that, well, no, I like Riders Republic. I think Riders Republic oh, is good. Oh, it was Mike yeah. that was down on yeah. it. Okay. It was Mike yeah. that was down on it. Um, but games that we know are going to be uh, hits, right? Games that we know are going to be masterpieces, if not near masterpieces. 12 Minutes came out, played it, and I absolutely did not like that game. It had so many issues so many i I think there's so many flaws with it i know like that game overall in terms of its critical reception has been split two ways either you love it 
or you hate it. I'm very much on the hate it camp. Uh, but then another game I got the code for, No More Heroes 3, another game that I was looking, uh, looking forward to a lot. Because now, here's, Tim, the thing. You know here's the thing, Vlasa. You go and say, oh, I got the code for this game. No, you have been begging for No More Heroes 3 to be a video game for years. You oh, love yeah. this franchise. Yeah. So this is like an ultimate letdown. Yeah, it's a, it's a letdown in an interesting way, though, because I'm not mad at No More Heroes 3. I think it didn't live up to my full expectations, no, but I think there's enough there that is good enough to where, like, I'm happy I played it, but I'm still sad that it's not everything that I wanted it to be. And so, like, yeah, no, No More Heroes 3 is a game that I've wanted forever because No More Heroes 1 came out in, like, 07. No More Heroes 2 came out in, like, I think either 2010 or 2011. It's been about a decade since the previous No More Heroes game. And so getting my hands on No More Heroes 3 is that thing of, oh, shit, here we go. Like, we have our Slack where we, where we uh, talk about, like, code distribution and, and who's looking for what codes. And I think it was Greg who put in the thing of, like, hey, we got No More Heroes 3 codes coming in. Who's Who, like, who here is the No More Heroes 3 squad? And I was the one being like, oh, let's fucking go. Finally, it's happening. I was hyped in that Slack. But I started that game, and I was like, all right, like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel about this thing. Uh, off the bat, I think that game has such a good opening. The first, like, three-ish hours of that game are so strong. But for me, the, the place where it starts to falter, I, weirdly enough, is where the game starts to open up. You know, like, it starts off in the linear path. You remember the, the first trailer we got for No More Heroes 3, where you got the cutscene where it is Damon, and he's hanging out with this E.T.-looking alien. And it's this cute thing. It's an animated sequence. The alien leaves, and he comes back as this stone-cold killer alien who's here to dominate the, the Earth. That same thing play, uh, plays out in the, in the game with the exact same animated cutscene. And then that then flows into a lot of like guided cutscenes that are all really cool that all really hold that suda 51 attitude we talked a lot about it on kfgd this week about suda 51 and his game style and who he is as a developer all that stuff still holds so well in no more heroes 3 but it's when the game opens up it feels like that game ran out of budget out of nowhere like you know it starts it starts off linear it gets into the thing of all right cool we're throwing you into the open world where you're going to go around you're going to do your designated matches which are basically fights that you do in order to to qualify and raise money for the next fight in your lineup because the whole premise of no more heroes is that you're fighting your way up through the ranks okay and so you have like you have the top 10 assassins quote unquote in the world and travis Tra travis touchdown is starting from 11 and is trying to get all the way up to one and so, like, the game puts you in the open world. You go through, do your designated matches. You do random jobs. Like, um, in the first game, you would mow grass and shit. You would, like... Uh, uh, coconuts, man. Collect, Infamous coconuts. Collect coconuts out of trees. It was, a lot of, it was a lot of mundane shit, but, like, that was kind of the the charm of it, is that, like, it's mundane for this game where you're playing as a killer with a beam katana. And so, like, that that's, that's kind of the whole bit. In No More Heroes 1, they had that stuff. No More Heroes 2, they thin that stuff out replace the open world and a lot of those jobs with 8-bit minigames which i really liked and i thought really handled that in between boss fight uh run up pretty well no more heroes 3 added back in the filler from no more heroes 1 which is like my first complaint is uh, the, no, the filler stuff from no more heroes 1 i didn't like and thought was unnecessary not only did they add that stuff in they removed the lead up to the fights in no more in uh for the boss fights and so like no more heroes 1 and 2 were very boss focused where like i said you have the 10 ranked assassins that you're taking out each of those is a huge boss fight that is really fun because each of the different bosses 
have a different story to them. They have a different gimmick to them. Like I compare it to something like Metal Gear Solid, where you know we we're gonna talk about Metal Gear Solid two later today. But like you look at uh, Dead Cell, you look at uh, the crews from Metal Gear Solid one, right? And you have these cool bosses that have personality. You have Psychomantis, you have Fortune, you have Vamp. No More Heroes as a franchise does a similar thing where you have Bad Girl, you have like you have X, Y, and Z character, and they all have fun gimmicks and fun stories to them. With that, you have the lead up to those bosses usually where you're fighting through waves of enemies in order to get to the boss. And that kind of feeds into the like the story of where you're at, like leading into the boss, who that boss is. It gives it gives that lead up to the boss time to breathe. They took that out. And so in No More Heroes 3, you're thrown into the filler open world sections. You do that stuff for about 30 minutes and then you're thrown into a boss fight. And in this game, the boss fights are way easier than the boss boss fights in Doma Heroes 1 and 2, which means that you're taking out that boss fight in like 5 to 10 minutes, and it's back to more open world filler. And I didn't, I do not like that setup for this game. And like, you know, that is probably my main qualm with it. There are also things in terms of how the game runs. Like the game, for, for a Switch game, doesn't run amazingly once you especially get into the open world areas the driving isn't great the driving in the game is probably as bad if not worse than the driving in no more heroes one don't say that the no. dude, it is it is so it is so bad the um open world tasks just aren't fun and they weren't fun in no more heroes one um the frame rate you know takes a dip at times the game just doesn't look pretty I was going back and forth between this game and No More Heroes 2, and at times, I'd say No More Heroes 2 does have more style than this game, which is so wild because, again, that's a game that came out about a decade ago. Um, and then also, the, the combat in this game is good, but I wouldn't say it's great. They add in a few more elements for special abilities, but I also feel like they took away quite a bit in terms of like the weightiness of No More Heroes 2. I really, really liked the weightiness that was there. Some of the UI elements in No More Heroes 2 I preferred as well. They did a, did the thing in 2 where you had a health bar that was the same as your lock-on. And so as you would chip away an enemy, the lock-on would deplete. And I thought that was a cool, stylish way to do it. They just straight up add health bars back into this game, which, you know, like isn't the biggest thing. But I, it's a, in, in terms of the style of No More Heroes, for me, it was it, I don't understand why they went this direction with it. And then also, like in terms of the character animations, like there are things like in Normal Heroes Two, when you would get your your kill kill killing blow on an enemy, Travis would do like a fun twirl with his katana beam before he hits the final blow, and stuff like that isn't in Normal Heroes Three. Like I, it it feels like playing this game is like playing Normal Heroes One Point Five in a lot of elements where yeah. they regress to going back to Normal Heroes One stuff, which I'm sure a, a certain sect of the audience probably likes, but for me is overall a regression. Now, all that said, the style is there. There are some really cool story moments in No More Heroes 3. There are some characters, um, some some returning characters that I don't totally love how they're treated. Like certain characters they are like, cool, let's remind you that this person exists and then take them out of commission for the rest of the game. They do stuff like that. That for me was a bummer. But that said, they added new characters that I really liked. There's some stuff that they uh, piggyback off of from... Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes, which was the, the the side game that came out on the Switch after No More Heroes 2. The, the, this game is basically a sequel to that game. And this game actually made me enjoy a lot of the story elements introduced in that game. That game originally I just wasn't really that big of a fan of. But I think No More Heroes 3, coming off of that one, did a really good job of actually making a lot of that shit hype. And so I, pre I appreciated that. Uh, they added in a roulette wheel. So if you lose a fight... Um, or at, 
every every time you lose a fight or every time you die in the game, you have like a ro- a roulette spin that gives you like a random bonus for your for the next time you're going in. And so it might be, all right, cool, you died, but you just got a one point five multiplier for your damage buff in this game. Or uh, you know, you're you go back, but all of your rolls for when you do your combos end up on the on some kind of like bonus ability. You know, it's it's that kind of thing that shakes things up in a very interesting way. Also makes it easier, but you know, I I I like it as an interesting idea, and I did have fun with the roulette spins. Um, but yeah, question. overall, I have a question. Go for it. Go for it. Um, so it seems like you didn't love sort of the open world bloat. Had they removed that? Had they found a way to balance that better? Um, is it just maybe an issue of the game's length? Uh, aside from the other issues you just mentioned, is it could it have been better in a more sort of concise package? Yes. I think this game, so it took me about 20 hours, probably less actually, maybe like 15 hours to beat this game. If they took away the open world bloat, it probably would have been about seven hours-ish. And I assume that for them, if they took out the bloat, it would be boss fight to boss fight to boss fight, which would make the game a little bit more monotonous in structure. But I think if they would have added back in the lead ups to those fights, that would have been the perfect balance for it or added in the added back in the eight bit mini games. Um, I think it's a thing of budget. When you go into the open world and you go around and do the designated matches, whenever you start up a designated match, it sends you into the same uh, like playing field uh, uh, most of the time, right? Like you're going, you're, you're doing repeated matches in the same area and they're reusing a lot of assets. The open, the open world, you're revisiting certain areas over and over again. And I think it's very much a thing of we don't have the budget to do these grand lead ups to the boss fights. And so instead, the way we're going to get around it is by placing you into the same open world. And yeah, like I think I think that was just their answer to uh, beef up the content there and make it so that you're not playing a really short game that feels even more repetitive because you're only doing the boss fights. But that said, I think I would have preferred a seven hour game than a 15 hour game that's full of bloat. Um, but yeah, like that said, I think overall, the game is fine. If you're a No More Heroes fan, then I'd say you should play this game. I think there's enough there that you will enjoy, and there's enough there that I really enjoyed. The ending, I think, is bonkers and awesome. Uh, I know Suda51 said that we're not going to get more No More Heroes. Like, this is the quote-unquote finale. We're 1,000% going to get No More Heroes, because, like, this game, in multiple ways, sets up you're going to get more No More Heroes. Whether whether or not it's called No More Heroes, or maybe it's another Travis Strikes again, who knows? But, yeah, you're going to get it, like, maybe 10 years from now. Um... But yeah, like I, for newcomers, it's a harder recommendation for me. But I would say that No More Heroes is a franchise that's worth getting into. And so if you want to jump into one and two and three and Travis Strikes again, 1000% do it. I think the franchise as a whole is a really fun thing and a really cool thing. And Suda51 has a lot of really cool and really fun ideas. But this game by itself, it, I wish it was more, but, you know, it is what it is. And the the first two were recently ported to Switch as well, right? Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, the entire No More Heroes franchise is available on Switch. Damn. Uh, moving on from No More Heroes, I want to talk a little bit about Psychonauts 2. I know uh, throughout all the different kind of funny shows, we've touched on a bunch of different ways, mainly led by Barrett. So Barrett, I want to give you the floor for just a quick sec to let us know where you're at as the first person that that beat uh, Psychonauts 2. Uh, where I'm at currently is by the when I knew I was wrapping up my playthrough of Psychonauts 2 uh, to hit review embargo to 100% it, 
I knew it was coming to an end, and I was like, I want to keep existing in this world, in this universe. What Double Fine has created um, with specifically the Psychonauts universe is just so damn special and unique. And so after my Psychonauts 2 uh, playthrough, Tim, I went back and replayed the first one, uh, watched, watched a playthrough of Rhombus of Ruin because I don't have a PSVR, so I can't watch the, the VR game that came out a few years ago that does have kind of like important moments to lead into Psychonauts 2. And I'm currently on a replay already of Psychonauts 2 doing a platinum run on PlayStation uh, 5 because I do like uh, getting uh, platinums on the PlayStation platform. Not as much as Greg Miller, but I still, when it's a game that I really enjoy and it, there's doable platinum, like I, I, I do want to get that. Um, and I also just like wanted to re kind of like re-experience the story like all together because of what the second game does and how it wraps up a lot of threads that are introduced in the first game. It, it almost like looking back at the first game, it feels like definitely an incomplete story. Like it, it feels like it ends at like an act one kind of moment. And you're like, oh, like you finally get like where everything was going once you get to the end of Psychonauts 2. And it's it's really I, I love it a lot uh, story wise. Um, you know, Blessing and I are, are known as the the uh, the the collectathon lovers when it comes to games like Donkey Kong 64 and stuff like that. And this is definitely a collectathon in that same vein, but definitely better utilized. So it scratches that itch. I love the 3D platforming. Uh, the combat, uh, definitely my first run through was a little bit like, all right, like it's definitely improved from the first one, but still a little maybe not as modern as other people want it uh, to be. Uh, on the second playthrough, I feel like I'm utilizing the combat way more and way better than I was in my first playthrough on like things that they updated right as of right now it is my personal game of the year uh you know we still have a few months to go we'll see where it's at at the end of the year but by the time I had finished it even on my first run through I, I I knew that with everything and how everything comes together in all aspects of the game I, I was fully in love with it so that's where I'm at that's why I've been encouraging people to play it um and, and either way if it's good or bad I'm fascinated to hear about other people's uh takeaways uh from it like we had with uh with Janet yesterday on PSI love you XOXO so yeah and so so with that Andy I'm actually really excited to hear your thoughts uh you you beat it what'd you think yeah yeah I beat it two nights ago um, I totally understand the game of the year praise it's getting. I think it's a really damn good video game. It is easily one of the most creative things I've played. And a lot of that just has to do with like Barrett was mentioning just the world that Double Fine has created and how um, I think when we talk about on our review shows on YouTube.com slash kind of funny when we're talking about some of our favorite things about the movies that we're watching where one of my things is I love when everything has a purpose and when you're just not seeing things for the sake of of experiencing when there's always a reason and purpose behind um, enemy names and areas that you're in. And I think Double Fine is like everything is just done with such purpose. And um, again, it's endlessly creative. This this world and the enemy types that you're fighting and how everything has a double meaning to it and all these sort of metaphorical places that you're uh, playing in and how the game deals with um, mental health, I think is just really cool and smart. There are yeah. some really beautiful moments um, that I was certainly not expecting. And um, yeah, I mean, the game's just really, really damn good. 
I think my one of my main issues with it, though, and it's something that I have talked to Barrett about, and it's something I've talked to on stream about. Um, I feel like it could have been shortened in a way, and not to say it's a long game, because I beat it in about 15 hours, maybe. But there are definitely moments um, going from big plot point to big plot point. All right, Raz, you're Rasputin. We need to fix this machine. Okay, we're going to fix this machine. I need to go into somebody's mind, and then it becomes the usual video game sort of, all right, we need to do the three things in order to fix that machine back there. But those three things take a while, and it takes about, I'd say, I don't know, maybe an hour, hour and a half of gameplay, it feels like. And you're going through a lot, and it's really easy to lose the thread of what's really happening back in the real world because you're inside someone's mind. Now, that's not to say that it's like all weaknesses because I think there's a lot of strengths there. You are getting to learn these characters really well. You're getting to kind of understand their motivations and what has made them who they are because uh, you're getting this deeper look inside their brain. And it's really cool and really fucking smart. But I do end up sort of once I've done all those three things, an hour and a half goes by, I go, oh, shit, yeah, I'm supposed to fix that machine. Yeah, yeah, my bad. <laughs> and now I'm back in the world, and now, now as I'm about to fix the machine, they go, ah, you can't quite fix the machine because this button is missing. Go talk to so-and-so for the button. And then that repeat, rinse and repeat, and not that it's repetitive at all because it's all really unique, and every world you jump into is so different than the last. And it's still really, really fun experiences, but it is kind of easy to forget the overall the bigger narrative of what's really happening and i think maybe the it's a very fun video game to play but maybe this story would be better served as like a movie or something like that where um you're not kind of forgetting because when you're playing the game you're not only collecting things inside the world you're beating enemies you're talking to every npc that's kind of standing around because you just want to hear what they have to say everybody's mind who has like a very different worldview of their personal situation exactly yeah and it's all it's all incredibly well done i totally understand all the game of the year praise that it's getting it'll be up there for me i i don't think it'll be my game of the year um because i still found myself wanting to play other games mm -hmm. um and i even though i could still say like once i beat it, i was like damn that's a really impressive video game on all fronts um but i never found myself like wanting to play more i was mostly wanting to play more just to beat it and kind of say that i've beaten it um but i it's incredibly impressive i didn't play part one i'm sure i would have liked part two had i played part one um i'm sure i would have cared about those characters a lot more and understood a lot of the nuances with their relationships but all that being said once again it is so goddamn impressive and i am so happy that it's a good game because we talked about on one of our uh, on one of our reactions it's like you wait this long and there's no guarantee that it's a great game. I mean, you could come out. It could have come out and just been a, it could have come out and been a serviceable game. It could have been a six and a half or seven out of ten. Again, with five being mediocre. I'm not doing grading school uh, ratings or whatever. It could have come out and been a six out of ten and been good and above average. And we would have talked about it and said, yeah, not a bad time. But for it to be this good, I think, is just a testament to how talented all the devs are over there. And the voice casting uh is really cool and there's a lot of really neat surprises and i definitely recommend playing it if you enjoy um platformers action games anything like that um an another small gripe i have and it's something that i experience on stream is that the 
it I definitely had a lot more fun playing Ratchet and Clank just because I enjoy that fast frenetic combat. And there is a bit of that here, but just not not as frequent for sure. So you're doing a lot of platforming and there's a lot of puzzle stuff and you're figuring out how to make that door open by doing this and that. And there's a lot of cool things happening. And then combat happens and you go, oh, shit, I forgot how to fight. I haven't fought in a while because I've been kind of just dealing with these overall world puzzles. Um, and that's but again, you know, that just comes with balancing. And maybe if I would have beaten those puzzle parts faster, just get good, you know, get good, Andy. Get good. Yeah, I'm, I'm about a, an hour in based on uh, Barrett's praise of the game. I wanted to definitely give this a, a, a bigger shot than I I would have. And I'm definitely going to keep playing. I am very surprised. I, I've been saying this a lot that I'm not the biggest double fine guy. Respect the hell out of it. But it's just kind of a weird style that doesn't really vibe with me normally. And, and like, and that's to, and that makes sense because like a lot of their games, like it feels like every game that they have is very different. So it feels like very rare that like you're going to be very able- different. But there, there is like a core to it though, where yeah, like there is a, vibe a specific that, double fine vibe for sure. That reminds me a lot of like, very late 90s Nickelodeon, but like specifically yeah. early 2000s, like that Invader Zim era that I think it either hits with you or it just doesn't. And it's an acquired a lot of taste. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and like looking at these characters, like I just personally don't like the character design. So it's hard for me to kind of like get invested because I'm looking at it. I'm like, eh, I'm, not, I'm not really vibing with this. It looks like all but, real monsters. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And, and I was never a fan of that type of uh, thing, like especially like all real monster stuff. Like I enjoyed the show, obviously, but it's like I always preferred Doug or Rugrats over yeah. that or like Rocco or uh, Ren and Stimpy. Like there's just something about that vibe and not that this goes that far. And again, I think this is more like early 2000s, but um, despite that pushing through, even in the first hour, the sheer creativity kind of overshadows any of that stuff. Like uh, very, very early, you're in this hallway and it just starts uh, going super long. And it's just like, damn, like uh, to Andy's point about every single thing having a purpose, it does. And it is very clear from the offset, even having not played the first game um, all the way through because uh, I didn't really like it. There's something about this one that I think that they really kind of did a, a better job of being able to grab people like me that are just in it for a good game and in it for the 3d platforming elements of it. Like they, they, they set up the, the stakes really clearly. And I, I like the, the, the beginning like tutorial uh, to teach you how to play the game. I thought was really like well done and got me way more interested than I expected to be off the bat. And the, the way that they use all of the, in the minds, like what that means and all the different emotions and like um, kind of just like feelings that they, that these characters are having uh, and how that relates to gameplay is backed up so well with that perfect blend of fantastic voice acting, engaging plot, like the things that they're doing make sense. So when characters are doing things, it's like you understand what their motivations are and what you need to do to accomplish them. And that's backed up with gameplay that feels good. So it's like, damn, they really nailed this so far for me in a way that I am surprised by uh, with my experience with most of their their other games. Um, I still think, and I, of course I'm very early on, but some of the use of the shoulder buttons with like the combat stuff and the different uh, telekinetic abilities you have, all the abilities don't feel equally as good. Like some of them feel good. Some of them, like the, mm-hmm. the lighting things on fire, feels a little bit more like mm-hmm. a mechanic as opposed to, uh, extension of me understanding with my hands exactly what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Go for yeah, it. 
Oh, so I, it, um, uh, yeah, like the, a lot of things changed uh, gameplay-wise from the first to the second. And even the first one, even though the fire felt different, it did feel very much like that. Like I'm using it less in combat because it definitely slows things down and using it more for puzzle solving. Thankfully, mm -hmm. I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, like I'm pretty sure there's like pretty much only one enemy type that's actually like weak to fire. So like, yeah, like I know to like, all right, I really only want to bring it out on uh, if these specific, I think it's a uh, doubts uh, that pop up. Like uh, I only want to bring that out for that and then use specifically like the side blast punching uh, the telekinesis, stuff like that. Uh, things that are a little more fast paced. Uh, I use the, the fire a lot on the ones that project force fields on other people, on other enemies, the, the enemies that kind uh, of like, yeah, put a shield again because they're because i i don't really know exactly what their weak point was but for some reason fire makes them run and run around in a frenzy and they're just mm. kind of open to all attacks and anything else i was doing to them they were just dodging all my side blasts and stuff yeah, like fast. that um that's another thing i want to i want to point out that tim is mentioning right now is i i happen to really like the fire i, I feel like i use the fire side blast quite a bit um the time freezing was really neat um, and I think that it's also, this game has a very sort of old school way of looking at game design. And I think that's really cool and unique because you don't see it a whole lot anymore where if you think something can be done, it likely can be done. Not quite Breath of the Wild, <laughs> like in that, not going that far right. But there are a lot of moments like, um, there's a bottle being held up by a wooden stick and sure you can light that on fire and it'll burn and the bottle will then fall down because you burned that stick or whatever and there are sort of those cool if i do this then that and you run into those moments a lot more than you do in your traditional type video games where everything else seems very scripted um and non i guess reactionary is, is the best way that i could put it and this game does a lot of cool stuff with that i will say however i fucking hated and blessing or barrett was watching me playing it getting knocked down and having to hit a to get back up mm. I, I i cannot for the life of me understand that mechanic yeah. it is so bad and dumb and i'm used to hey if you want to knock me down and i'm stunned on the ground for a while and i'm open to attacks that's great that's my fault but no modern game ever has ever taught you that you have to hit a to get back up on your feet and there's so many I'm times i'm sure getting it's hit. only those fights too i think it's only that enemy type that does that too it 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 might be, but goddamn, there is an enemy later on, Tim, that you will experience where you're getting knocked down, you're getting stunned, and I'm on the ground, and it's not in my second nature. You want to use your dodge button because there is a dodge button that you can use, and that's right. Uh, or me or as a, me as a gamer in the year 2021, I'm seeing myself on the ground, and I'm like, all right, I'll get back up any second now. Let me just keep, and it's like, oh, I gotta hit A to get back up. That's so lame. Just just make me be on the ground for a while. And I'm vulnerable to getting attacked, and that's fine. But let me get back up kind of automatically. Don't have to... Because there would be times that I'm just laying there like, oh, shit, I got to hit A. What the fuck? Yeah. Why do I have to hit A? It was really frustrating. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I'm Like I said, I'm very excited to get back to it and everything that you're saying, Andy, I'm, I'm stoked about. Like, you, you're talking about how consistently it has those moments of like, oh, I think I could do this, and you actually can. Uh, so far, that's kind of been my favorite thing about it. And uh, Barrett, talking about the collectathon aspect of it, I, I think that it's, so far, a collectathon in the best way where I've been completely motivated to get every single thing. 
And it seems fun to do that. It feels like it is part of the journey to be able to do all that stuff. And while there is a ton of different collectibles, they, like Andy was saying earlier, feel like they have a purpose, feel like they're adding to uh, the world that you're in. And it's not just like, here's journal number 3002. Um, so I, I gotta say, I'm very impressed and I, I'm excited to play more and I'm, I'm shocked by how much I'm enjoying it so far based on what I thought going in. Uh, bless. Have you talked about this at all on any show yet? No, I'm not. I only, I started it last night on PS4 and I've made it only about like 40 minutes in. I want to get back to it just because what, from what everybody's described about the game, it sounds like a me ass game. Like I've heard people compare it to rare on N64. I've heard people say that it has a double fine charm. And for me, when I think of Double Fine, I think of Broken Age. Broken Age was my entry point into Double Fine, and I absolutely adore Broken Age. And so, if it's the combination of those two things, that I'm gonna I'm gonna be all in. Uh, so far, with where I'm at with it, I'm kind of with Tim in terms of the art style. Like, I don't love the art style. I think it's, I, I, it's not even a thing of you know. I think it's more of a thing of taste rather than like the actual art style being hundred percent you know not good not good quality or anything like that like i can see the amount of effort they're putting in into the art style but in terms of me and what i what art styles i like there's something about it that like it's kind of off-putting and in a way that seems very crude it's very crude like the first level starts off with a lot of teeth stuff going on and that stuff for me was immediately like oh i don't really like how this looks i see what they're going for and they're all in in a way that I really respect and appreciate in a way that I think that's is why good. it works. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's exactly why it works. And so like that stuff, I think, is really cool. And I also think the the fact that it does evoke uh, early 2000s Nickelodeon vibes speaks to me, speaks to me as well, because that was one of the things I shouted out uh, while streaming it last night. I was like, shit, this seems very early 2000s Nickelodeon, which, you know, for me, I was born in 94. I came up at the perfect time for somebody who's going to be really into that kind of style um and so yeah like i hear what you what you guys are saying about the creativity of it i hear what you guys are saying in, in terms of the story of it and where it's going with mental health like i think that stuff all seems cool um and i that stuff has me excited to go back even though the first 30 minutes haven't really i they, they my experience with the game i feel like that hasn't done the game justice because like i said i'm playing the playstation version of the game and the playstation version doesn't have a next-gen optimized ps5 version and so I'm playing the PS4 version off of my PS5, and the game doesn't look that crisp in terms of the actual graphics of it. Like, something about it seems a bit blurry, a bit foggy, or at least more foggy than the games I've played in the last year on my PS5. And that was immediately noticeable to me, and I had people in chat as I was playing say that the game looks and runs better on Xbox Series X slash S, and even on Xbox One, which to me was kind of a surprise. Uh, or even Game I, Pass PC. Is it on Game Pass PC as well? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, yeah, and it has that full integration with with saves. That was something I talked about. Uh, Ooh, I like that. The the um, when the embargo went up, that was some. That was my first ex- uh, time actually experiencing that since getting a Series S is being able to like play on PC and then realize like, oh, I gotta like uh, you know, run a show or whatever, and then like after the show is done, be like, <clears throat> okay, I need to use my PC to export. Let's boot it up on Xbox and Xbox. just uh, so I'm not taxing my PC any more than it should be taxed right now. And then boom, like my save was there, and that was like my Magic, first. Man. Yeah, and it's so cool. And like, uh, unfortunately, before this, the only games I've been playing on the Xbox side of things have been like Bethesda games that I don't think support that. At least the games that I've been playing don't support that quite yet. So that was like a cool like first experience of like hell yeah, this is we're in the that future. Actually, man. 
that is actually a big that's going to be a big feature for me because yeah i'm going to play it on on xbox but i do like my xbox is set up on this tv that's in my background back here um but like i often like sitting on my desk right here and playing games because this desk is where i have my ps5 set up and so there's something nice about being able to go back and forth without actually having to pick up my xbox and actually move it all the way over here but uh last night there was a the, the thing that was my last draw for playing it on playstation was there was a load time early on in the game that i hit and it was a long ass load like longer than anything i've i've had since getting a ps5 and for me i was like oh like this seems like a lot it was like a solid 20 to 30 seconds of load which i had a very long load on my series x as well really that okay. wasn't quite 20 30 seconds but it was enough for me to be like i haven't experienced this on series x yet for huh. any game yeah my the load i had was noticeable and it was funny streaming it because i sat there like in silence for like 15 seconds i was like chat is this weird like is this am i crazy is this a long low time more so, it's so like, this did it crash <laughs> yeah it's so weird to hear yeah, that because so because I've been wanting to like platinum it specifically, so I've been playing it on like PlayStation, and I've not been having that same experience. Mm-hmm. I think like the longest load I ever have is like like uh, going from like the main menu into the game itself, and then from there on like uh, fast traveling and like other situations or like getting in and out of the cutscenes is like maybe 10, 12 seconds at most. Um, and even with like the crisp thing, like I think it, it runs 1440p. I have it up here. Where is it? 1440p on PS5 is is the max resolution. Running at 60, like yeah, it definitely doesn't look as crisp as like when I play it on PC. But it, I, I would say it's like comparable to like what the the Series S has and, and stuff like that. So it's interesting mm-hmm. of like uh, maybe for some reason like w- be- yeah, I'll, with I don't know. like, like how I'll you know. download it, maybe you got like some weird code stuff downloaded i i, I know there's maybe yeah all i know is that like compared to every other game i played on my ps5 console it doesn't look as good graphically like the art well, style carries it thankfully but you were I'd playing on play a monitor right bless yeah I'm playing playing on a monitor. real quick real quick i i want to keep talking about psychonauts too but mm-hmm. first let me tell you about our sponsors This episode is brought to you by Purple. Sometimes it feels like the world's against you getting a good night's sleep, whether it's the heat, anxiety, or your neighbors who like to party on a Tuesday. But a Purple mattress helps you sleep cool and comfortable no matter what the world throws at you. Only Purple mattress has the grid. It's a unique ventilated design that lets air pass through no matter how hot it is outside. I love purple and I have for a very long time. I have the purple pillow that features the grid. And let me tell you, it is the best pillow. It is the only pillow I will ever use going forward because it's always cool. It's always how I want it to be. And I only need one pillow. Used to be a two pillow guy, now just one. Purple is comfort reinvented. Right now, you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. You can try your purple mattress risk-free with free shipping and returns and there's financing available. Purple is comfort reinvented. Uh, that's purple.com slash kind of 10 promo code kind of funny 10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more purple.com slash kind of funny 10 promo code kind of funny 10 terms apply again that is purple.com slash kind of funny 10 use promo code kind of funny 10 next up Shout out to FitBod. When you're in a workout rut and bored with your exercise routine, it gets easier to skip a day and quickly get off track. That's why FitBod made a fitness program that continually adapts to how you're progressing so you stay challenged and motivated to achieve your goals. Their algorithm uses data and analytics to help you build on your last workout to maximize your results. Uh, Gia's been doing this. She's been uh, keeping track using FitBod of all of her health and all of her different progression when it comes to exercise and all that stuff. She's been loving it. She's been looking fantastic 
Good for her. Everybody, show her some love. Uh, FitBod workouts are balanced to avoid overworking muscles with varied exercises to keep you sharp because there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all workout. Pick up the pace on your fitness journey with FitBod today, and your future self will thank you. You can get 25% off your membership at fitbod.me slash KF Games. That's 25% off at fitbod.me slash KF Games. F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash KF Games. And finally, shout out to Upstart. Do your palms sweat just thinking about your credit card statement? You're not alone. Upstart can help you get back on the right path. Upstart's the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online, whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses. Over half a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment. Upstart knows you're more than just your credit score. That's why they consider your income and current employment to find you a smarter rate for your loan. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash kindoffunny. That's upstart.com slash kindoffunny. Don't forget to use this URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash kindoffunny. Upstart.com slash kindoffunny to find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today. Back so at you, it. So tell me about that monitor. You were playing on a monitor, right, Bless? So that defaulted yeah. to 1080? Yes. But games still look great on my mm. 1080 monitor. Like, I, there's okay. still... For games that run 4K uh, on PS5 or games that are running in... Um, not performance, the other mode. Visual fidelity mode or whatever. Still look great uh, compared to playing PS4 games on my monitor. Like, there's something... Uh, like Psychonauts 2 specifically, I would say, as somebody who's always playing on this monitor, looks like noticeably worse than the other games that I've played on this console on my monitor. Um, but right. again, like I, for me, that's just the thing of cool. I'm gonna play it on my PC and on my Xbox instead. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I also wanted to mention there is there is something charmingly low budget about a lot of it, and. <laughs> That sounds real bad. No, uh, I, I get what you're saying. Like, I, I, even replaying it last night, I was like replaying my favorite level of the game, um, uh, which is like the I th it was the same level that I popped into your stream for, Andy. Uh, all I'll, all I'll say is the Psy King, um, yeah. and th that level is so fun. And there's like a point where you hear like the crowd, like there's like a crowd that you hear, and they're like they're yelling and they're getting hyped, but it's obviously like two people <laughs> like again yeah. it's like it's and, that like and charming budget thing of like a cartoon network kind of thing you know there is something about you know a lot of the animations that aren't necessarily spectacular or anything like that um but i think a lot of that is just due to the fact that there's i think it's the sheer amount of animations that there are and the amount of cutscenes that there are and like not that they're ever necessarily super long cutscenes, but goddamn, there's a shitload of them because every kind of moment deserves its own. And the reason why I appreciate that is because the quality of the content you're getting never wavers. And even in the final stages of the game, the last several moments of it, um, not not last several moments, I'd say like the last four hours of the game, three hours of the game, I'm still running into random NPCs that have really funny lines that will never you'll never talk to them again but they just have something funny to say and again the quality and creativity of every world that you hop into is still so mind-blowing and i 
I don't know. I guess I'm sort of a pessimist when it comes to a lot of games or I expect maybe near the end of their game development journey, maybe the creative juices aren't as flowing as strongly and maybe we just kind of rush it to get to the final moments or whatever. But still, like so many of the final world and the the themes of where you are and how it relates to the world's design, uh, not just level design, but the actual aesthetic design is so goddamn cool and like every one of them is just really really surprising and it just keeps on going and it never wavers creatively and that's yeah. i think like the best thing about psychonauts too and it's that it's that right there like you know, there's been the the hot conversation of psychonauts 2 and ratchet and clank and even like it takes two in that same conversation because i mean a lot of great platformers this year um and it's like what you said just there andy that like is why i personally vibed with Psychonauts 2 more than I did Ratchet & Clank. I loved Rift Apart as well. I don't think even I would put Rift Apart in my favorite PlayStation game this year, though. Um, and I think, like, it has, like, a fun story, and I think both games, like, what they set out to do, I think they both succeed in. But I think Psychonauts 2 uh, just goes into a different direction that, like, I I don't really expect to see from games, whereas, like, Ratchet & Clank felt like a... You know, it's, it's Ratchet & Clank. You're getting, like, the kind of, like... Act one, act two, act three, kind of like almost a Disney Pixar uh, story kind of plot, right? Um, and it's just like the sheer creativity of what they're doing, how they represent mental health, the even just like the plot, the plot itself of uh, all the twists and turns and stuff like that was just something that I was not expecting to to um, be surprised by at all. And um, I was really like, I feel like this game like really took me aback. Yeah. Uh, the most out of any other game that I've played this year, which, um, it, yeah, it's. Yeah. I I do want to shout out to the soundtrack because that's the, that's the thing I noticed. Immediately and that never wavers playing. either, dude. Like yeah, that, every so every, every world bless has its own totally different and unique music, and it just it never ends. It just keeps on going. Like it's really surprising, and I think it's going to get to the point where when we eventually get to game of the year conversations in the same way that we rank movies over on our entertainment YouTube channel. It's going to get very, very, the the conversations I'm going to be having are which game do I think is better put together and which game do I have more fun playing? And Oh yeah. I had more fun playing Returnal. I would have, but I think uh, Psychonauts 2 is a better put together game in terms of mm -hmm. just, Everything, all the elements, whether it's characters, uh, scenes, dialogue, plot, like all that stuff, I think is more impressive than what Returnal did. But I just, I would rather play Returnal and because I, aliens, I enjoy the with gameplay like the a lot more. The yeah. aliens with the tentacles that can like fly around <laughs> in that first biome. Oh my and, God. and that's what if, and, and so like, I think the reason why I kind of wanted Psychonauts 2 to end faster than it did was because I just wanted to get back to playing Ghost of Tsushima, and I'm mm -hmm. kind of just really digging the director's cut. And as somebody who gave up the first time because for no reason, I just stopped playing the first uh, the first iteration of Ghost on PS4. I've just I missed getting back to that video game. So like, I was by the end of Psychonauts 2, it's like this is still really cool, but man, I kind of want this to end, and I hope it ends mm -hmm. soon. And it seems like it's going to end. Oh, no, wait, we go into somebody else's mind. And there's another three things I have to find. And it's <laughs> a lot longer. <laughs> That's like a it's a more arduous process, you know.
it's yeah it's and funny real quick i wanted to uh, touch on the soundtrack as you're talking about it and so far i i you guys all know i'm a stickler for these for soundtracks and like the quality of them stuff the quality is so good and like this sounds like real fantastic orchestrated shit it's oh, yeah. not cheap midi stuff and like while i do agree the budget kind of shows in the game in, in a lot of ways like the voice acting and soundtrack or score i want to say are not those things and i think that that's kind of what like brings this all together and makes it while it might visually look more like not so much a dreamworks movie but like who, who made rango <laughs> like <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like one of the like, studios. Yeah, that, one of those things. It's like it the the quality's different there. And that's not to hate on Rango, because I actually kinda liked Rango. But Rango Unchained. There we go. There we go. No. Sorry, Bless, I cut you off. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, like, I think it's fun talking about the where this game versus other game lands in the year because you know, this this year for me in video games feels like the year of two things. It's the year of time loops and then also the year of dope ass big budget 3D platformers. In between this Ratchet and Clank ripped apart, and it takes two. I feel like they're all on different parts of the spectrum. Where Ratchet and Clank, this game that I adore, but my my thing with that game is that I I I love the presentation of it. I love the polish of it. I wish that game had more creativity and and uh, I guess daringness in like the the narrative and a lot of what it does with the gameplay. But you know, it's a dope ass polished ash as uh, Ratchet and Clank game. Then you have It Takes Two, which is this similar thing of this game is polished as hell and this game is also creative as hell, right? Like the stuff that it sets up in its gameplay scenarios are so cool and the way that it's constantly switching it up with mechanics and having you do it different things scene to scene, I think it's so good and the story is fun. The characters are fun. The moments are fun. And then on the other side of the spectrum, I think is Psychonauts 2, which is this thing where, you know, if we're talking about you can only pick two between polish, creativity and like i don't know what the third thing is man like weirdness like psychonauts 2 is kind of the other thing where it's it's this weird game it is really creative it goes for you know trying to harken back to i guess older gameplay design when we're talking about comparing it to rare games and collectathons and a lot of aspects of three platformers that have kind of gone to the past the fact that it picks that stuff up and does it in a way where i'm looking around and seeing so many people that are crazy about it and loving it i think that by itself is admirable and that by itself is really awesome i can't wait to see what those conversations are by the end of the year when we're talking about where psychonauts 2 it takes two and ratchet lands but either way like it makes me happy that 3d platformers are still in a place where they're still growing and being creative and doing daring things without there being a mario uh the fact that it's such a big platformer year and there's not a 3d mario out i think is Awesome and gives me so much hope for the we future. We got Bowser's Fury this year, bless. That was you're right. Year. You're absolutely right. We did get Bowser's <laughs> Holy Fury. shit, we which, did. Oh, which, that was honestly, this year. Fuck, oh dude. my that god. Might, that's honestly in the conversation with me because I love Bowser's Fury. I want to vomit. I want to. I know. Vomit. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, I forgot about Tim. That. I did research. Uh, it was Paramount Pictures, Nickelodeon movies that did Rango, which honestly surprised me. There you go. Um, there you go. Yeah. No, that uh, movie looked. Rango looked great. I think Rango that, was I mean, like Rango yeah. was a bad example, but you guys got what I was no, saying. No, but, yeah. but I get what. The, and there's an interesting conversation because of course like the the game's getting like review bombed on metacritic as all games do now it's like a tradition at this point and like I'll, I'll, like uh, people are also like, giving it because it looks like a ps2 game blah, 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 the graphics suck and it's like the graphical fidelity when you're playing on pc or xbox series x like the game looks fucking crisp the game looks great it is I don't just know i can agree with that it looks good it doesn't look great yeah, I gotta boot up on my Xbox to see because so far I'm with yeah, Tim. Yeah, we, dis we, we disagree there. I, um, I, I mean, I, I, I get what Barrett's saying, but I think the, I think the look of it, 
Um, like it's a crisp ass game, right? It, I played it in 1440p. I played it in 4K. Um, I still think that it looks like it's running in an older engine. Now, yeah. that being said, the materials and textures and all that shit looks good and leather looks like leather like it should and metal looks good and there's nothing old feeling about, uh, I guess, when you're actually in the world. Like, you know, I always look at materials and, and liquids and stuff like that and all, does all this stuff look accurate and is it um, is it flat looking and all those sort of things go through my mind when I'm looking at, uh, you know, a 3D level. But it does seem like it is running like if you would have told me this is running in an older in an upgraded version of unreal three or something like that like like it's not in unreal four but it's a better version when it comes to lighting and stuff i think the lighting in this game is not great and there are some things aesthetically that look older gen um but i don't i don't think it looks like there was definitely some people in my twitch chat that were like this looks like a really good ps2 game and they meant it as a compliment and i was like well, a PS2 game couldn't do X and Y and yeah. Z and A and B Dude, and like C, the but the portal stuff I kind of get what you're saying. This game, like, it's insane. Um, I, I never saw your reactions to some of that stuff that they do, and like the um, the mail um, level, Andy, where like uh, you're obviously like going into a different section of the area, and it's not connecting fully to. Oh yeah, yeah. I like, mean, some of all of that shit is really so impressive. Cool. And, like, anytime a game can do that, and I get the vibes that control gives me like all i could think of while playing ratchet is like i wish remedy made this game in their own style like i and and i think a lot of that is because of the style that bless and tim aren't huge fans of that cartoony sort of late yeah. 90s early 2000s crude cartoon style yeah and it's like yeah i the, compared it all to, the um, all these concepts of like entering people's minds it's like uh, you get the inception thoughts immediately of like god this yeah. is just like inception it's so Dude, cool the opening scenes where they're like they they're, they're in the mind and then they're in the plane and they're kind of talking about it all like this yeah. is just straight up the end of inception <laughs> and, and and again like what and as you keep pushing further you get more and more of that it's like god i wish remedy kind of just stole all of these ideas and made the inception game of you know because there's a lot of moments where you run through a hallway and suddenly the hallway extends to be like way further than it is and it's like oh this is so cool and there's a lot of creative point, ways you go, you and go into see... a refrigerator and then you're transported into like a swamp and stuff like that yeah, yeah like i can sort of see um behind the curtain a bit and like how they're engineering all of this stuff and it's really cool to think how you can get creative at this level when this isn't necessarily the biggest budget game ever. And I think that's why I'm really impressed yeah. by it as well. I compared it yesterday uh, for PS I Love You. I was like, uh, this is like the the Tim Burton movie the uh, game this year, whereas Ratchet is like the Pixar. I'm going to retract that. I don't think this is like the Tim Burton. This is the Leica Studios uh, like a type game yeah. this year. It's very much like that Coraline, Kubone, Two Strings type of vibe. Box um, trolls, yeah, and and yeah, I I, I absolutely adore it. Uh, I only got into this uh, uh, this series this year. I I tried to play the first one many a time uh, before before this year, and it, it took a little bit of dedication because that first game there's a lot of aspects that don't age super well, uh, just gameplay and design wise, but it's still like a, as fascinating as uh, uh, this one, I would say. Um, and I'm just. I can't believe like how much I I, I dug it. I was not I, I knew I was gonna like be interested in it and uh, maybe dig some aspects. I, I'm very surprised that I'm as into it 
uh, as I ended up being. I, I would have guessed that I would have liked like Ratchet and Clank more and some other games, but yeah. So you're talking about old games, maybe not, you know, living up to the hype and Transition. being as good today. You just beat Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, oh, for the first yeah, time. This morning, Barrett. I want to hear all about this it, because for anybody like that doesn't know... 40 minutes uh, Barrett, before we started this show. <laughs> Barrett, Barrett has been uh, embarking on his journey to finally play through all of the Metal Gear Solid games for the first time. Uh, recently, they just completed Metal Gear Solid 1. It is some of the dopest content, most insightful content, kind of funny, he's ever made. Go check it out on YouTube.com slash kind of funny plays, where Tamor and Blessing uh, and Mike, for the very first time, uh, has been joining Barrett uh, with so many facts, so much insight into the game, and just kind of experiencing it for the first time for a lot of us in decades uh in some cases so it's been crazy you love the first game barrett i don't know your thoughts on Metal Gear solid 2 really what are they uh yeah we you know um i know people have been asking for a metal gear solid in review and we're essentially just doing it at the end of every uh game mike and i like kind of like went through the motions we uh, we did Ragu Bagu. We're ranking all of the villains as we go. Uh, we ranked the the Metal Gears, and we we ranked uh, the two games that we've gotten so far. Uh, and uh, I know both Mike and I are are, are on the team of uh, we like this one more than we like the first one. The, the, the first one as is, he should be. Yeah, the first one is this great first step of like. How weird can we get? Here's some interesting, fun characters. But at the end of the day, it does feel like kind of a and I don't mean this as an insult as, as it might come out, but of like more of like a run-the-mill 80s action movie where it's like kind of weird, but like at the end of the day, the, the plot is like, all right, like there's some terrorists, you got to stop them, bing, bang, boom. There's going to be a, a villain with a monologue and all this stuff. And that's just like kind of how it ends at the end of it where Snake literally rides off into the sunset with Meryl. Um, well, well, you got the good ending. Yeah, yeah, uh, and so yeah, I, I've I've been told about the other ending with uh, with Otacon. Um and then I think Metal Gear Solid Two Sons of Liberty they were able to with like the next generation of hardware at the time they were able to push that even further on the aspect of gameplay. Uh, I really loved the moment to moment um, stealth gameplay. Uh, it, it, it just that was such a huge step from the first one to the second one that just really impressed me, especially with only three years in between each game. Um, and with that, there's also just like the extra step that they were able to take with building out that world and universe and getting super weird with characters where there's literally a man named fat man who loves to make bombs. Who's rolling around on rollerblades and drinking wine. And you have to fight him while he rolls around Plants bombs. You got to defuse them. Avoid him shooting at you and stuff. It's it. There's wild things like that. Um, but then also they're able to explore more of like interesting themes. Uh, a lot of like the the stuff that's introduced in like the last like third of the game that's set up pretty well throughout the entirety. Um, just with like information and a lot of the things that you know people have uh, told me about when it comes to uh, Kojima games specifically with the Metal Gear series, uh, Metal Gear series about uh, kind of commenting on 
just like the modern day political machine almost and just wild how he was able to predict a lot of things that we are going through now with uh, the constant information stream that we get through the internet, um, how political machines uh, can use and abuse that for information on what they give to the public. All of this stuff, it was just like, this was written 20 years ago. I'm talking about stuff that's like relevant literally today, every day for the last two years. And this this game was written two, uh, 20 was years pre-9/11. ago. It was pre-9-11. Yeah, and it's just like, insane how much he was able to kind of see going forward and uh kojima is a very smart man at the same time there's a lot of things that i I think get a little too convoluted in like plot stuff there's a lot of stuff that i was getting hung up on just just the way of like information was being delivered in some of the the things uh which i i think there were some things that had some lower lows for me uh in in two with just like um some boss fight stuff, some information drops where it's just like, oh my god, this is almost like too much lore going on all at once that like my brain can't you got Kojima process what you're even trying to oh do. Which like I get like Jared, why people wait. <laughs> no, I yeah, and I, I get like why that draws people, but I think that also becomes a hindrance on like what the story you're trying to tell. And I know that like I'm gonna, I know there's gonna be some hate comments towards me after just saying that, but I don't think so. Okay, all right. I, I think, think that's I, yeah. a pretty common take. Okay, uh, I think yeah, it's I okay. I think it's I normal to feel that way, also, Barrett, because you're streaming it and you also want to feel like you want to entertain people, and that gets in the way mm. a little bit as well when there's a 20 minute lore <laughs> <Cut> video. <laughs> well, not even just not even just a single cutscene, but it, they'll go 20 minutes straight of like. Here's yeah. one cutscene, then another, then yeah, another, and we'll awkwardly fade to black. Think that yeah, the scene is con- uh, think that the cutscene is ending, and then go back to a different cutscene. Yeah, yeah and like here's I a think, Kodak call. That's all exposition. I right? think when like, I'm sitting there playing the game, I'm f- totally fine with it, and I'm I, I'm loving every second of it. To be honest with you, but I think if I were to have played it on stream, I would have felt the need to like, whoa, that's cool. What's this? Like to be reaction, uh, you know, streamer about it, and mm. some of that can kind of. You know, maybe you're also reading chat. Maybe you're paying attention to whatever. And I, I, I think these games I, are maybe yeah. best experience with just kind of with just friends and maybe not necessarily feeling the need to entertain. Even though I watched a bit of it and you all were just kind of watching. That's totally that's great. And yeah, perfect, I, but I, do I also love have that. a very different mindset of like streaming. Uh, like, I don't think about like trying to um, entertain on that level as, uh, you do Andy. Cause I was just like reacting to things that I was like legitimately interested in. I was skipping things that I was getting annoyed by like Rose. And then, you know, chat wanted to yell at me about that were 40 conversations with Rose. None of it mattered. And of course the one that I skipped was the one was like, Oh, you need to watch this. I mean, to be fair, all of it matters. <laughs> I, I do love those final moments though, where, it is just Rose and Campbell interchanging lines as if they God. rehearsed all of this. And yeah, so I good. really just want to picture like Kojima popping up on frame and be like, you know what? Let me just tell all this to you. Like, I'll just, I'm, <laughs> this is what I've always wanted to been say. I've always wanted to say this, but you know, fuck yeah. Rose, fuck Campbell. I'll just talk to you like one on one. The thing the thing I'll also say about like it being convoluted, right? Is I think, I think there, there are two things that go with it. One, the fact that once you get to the end of the game, replaying the game, there's you are everything is recontextualized now that you know what the ending is. Yep. And so that for me, watching you play the game, and this is the second time I'm going through it, I'm catching so much stuff that I didn't catch the first time around. One, because there is so much dialogue. And even playing through one, it, going into two, and I know going going into three and four as well, I'm going to have this, the same thing. 
there's so many lines here and there that I'm catching where I'm like, oh, I didn't think about this this way because it was I there was this minute detail in this line that is buried within hundreds of other lines of dialogue that Kojima is delivering to me all in one go that it, it is very easy to lose information. That's why I've been so impressed when Mike Mike does his recaps and he's able to actually capture so much of the stuff that actually matters because like I wouldn't be able to do that, especially my first time playing, playing through Metal Gear. There's so much shit in here that you kind of have to distill down and that you have to remember because a lot of that stuff ends up paying off in ways that you don't expect. Like, weird when you skip that one Rose conversation, right? Like, you know, Tame had the reaction of, like, oh, no, that's important. But it was the thing of, like, I'm with you of, yeah, how would you know, right? Like, that with the way that stuff comes around, you're not supposed to think about it in that way of, oh, wait, Rose is actually this thing. And so, like, she asking this question actually meant this toward the ending. You're not really thinking about it in that way. You're thinking about it as Rose is this annoying-ass character who has this weird relationship with uh, with Raiden, and you just go along with it. Uh, so I think it can be convoluted on uh, that end, and then like also just convoluted on the end of the more you play Metal Gear, the more I think the more you get out of it um, repeatedly, and it's just a lot of information to take in. Um, but Barrett, it's been fun. I'll oh, go for it, Andy. I was going to say, Barrett, imagine you get to the final boss of dark souls after a long crazy journey and you beat the final boss after like five attempts and it's amazing and you're so stoked and you light the bonfire and chat blows up it's like you you're not supposed to light that bonfire you've been lighting all the other 40 bonfires whenever you beat a boss but this one you weren't supposed to light because you get the bad ending you're supposed to walk up to another area yeah it's like like bloodborne how was i supposed to fucking know like (laughs) like in in bloodborne i'm glad i had emron there with me because he was the one to tell me to hey eat the three things before you beat the final boss yeah like how the fuck would i know that how the fuck (laughs) anybody know this um but and and for mgs2 that's a game that's also all about misinformation and tricking people and this is the thing i said during the twitch twitch stream is the fact that the marketing of the game itself was playing into the the themes of the game right like that game was marketed as you know when we watched the the 10 minute trailer you watch um solid snake go through the tanker we watched all gameplay featuring solid snake and you go into the game and the game does the switcheroo where you're playing as raiden spoilers for a 20 year old game and you know it's that thing of the game constantly tries to trick you and the game constantly tries to give you false information so that by the time you get to the payoff of what the actual themes and the actual um uh like what the actual game is that becomes that like that becomes a big reveal and actually becomes yeah. a big payoff it's but really impressive that then like, lends, it lends to it being convoluted yeah and it like it, again it really it is really impressive like how they were utilizing almost every aspect of the game to have that when it all comes to a head at the very end to have it all come together. And that is something that even though I skipped that one Rose conversation where it actually got interesting for once, um, it, it like it still hit for me in like really cool ways. And um, I was able to appreciate, I think, what a lot of people have been talking about with this game specifically, uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 for the like the last couple of years of like just what Kojima was able to like kind of comment on years before things started happening that were very similar to uh, some of the some of the things in the game and some of the themes in the game, which I I thought was totally super rad. Uh, that on the other end though, like the just like the the gameplay stuff, I loved the the moment to moment stealth stuff. That that was really fun. Being able to stand up on my tippy toes, uh, as Mike says, and do the little shimmy shake and just like sneak around and like how much more developed that was from the first game was really cool. Cause like the first game didn't feel. Like, you could see the bones of, like, how it started modern stealth games, but, like, playing it in the moment, you're like, 
it, it's hard to like have it feel like it is a stealth game but just like what the natural gameplay style of a playstation one game is uh so like there's a lot of times where i wasn't playing the first one as a stealth game just because of how many ps1 games felt at the time whereas this one you really do feel like the like you have to pay attention to everything and all that stuff and all the different systems of being able to see like the, my wet footsteps on the floor and seeing like shadows like uh, go around a corner like all that stuff was cool but then like on the other flip side and I talked about this on the stream as well of just like some of the boss fights I, I feel like those were some of the lower moments uh, than the first one since like they had more of a restriction in the first game there was less to there was less that aged poorly I would say in the aspect of boss fights in the first game whereas like the with the vamp fight in the second one uh, in Metal Gear Solid 2 I hate to I watched you play that and oh my god you were livid yeah it, it was not that was like the I, I that was like the when we ended that stream like i i was still mad and like I, even like walking away from the stream like 20 minutes later i was still like pissed at that boss fight um and that's just like and that's not like a metal gear solid like specific thing that's like a lot of ps2 games just like with the a lot of the things that because they were able to start running buck wild they had a lot of ideas that they wanted to throw out there and not everything like really ages super well and so like yeah a lot of like going from one perspective, kind of like this weird third person looking above uh, my character, switching back and forth between that and first person and, like, all that stuff. There's a lot of, like, little things like that uh, that specifically, I think, for a lot of, like, um, PS2-era games, like, have a struggle with uh, aging super well. But that's just me. Uh, I, I recommended this on a stream, I think, but I want to recommend it again to everybody. There's a YouTube video essay series that I absolutely love uh, by a user named Super Bunny Hop. And uh, the oh, series yeah. is called Critical Close-Up. And uh, it all started eight years ago uh, when he released a 40-minute Metal Gear Solid 1 retrospective. And then he followed that up uh, seven years ago with uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 and then Metal Gear Solid 3 and then three years ago with Metal Gear Solid 4 um, and they are incredible deep dives this is like he's like Tam level smart when it comes to to that shit really insightful and uh, it does a really good job of breaking down the context of when the game was released what it meant then what it means now and all that stuff so it's really cool stuff that I would recommend everyone watch I'm honestly going to rewatch the entire series at some point in the next couple of weeks would I, would uh, I be yeah. okay with watching the first two and not getting you spoiled know, on anything or uh let me let me watch through i'm pretty sure he sticks to the things Just but it's game. been years since i watched so let, okay. let me let me check it out i'll let you know but you 100 percent should watch it uh at some point i do love and me Bear, video can you, i just sent uh assets uh a link i wanted to bring up all the background art here on on kind of funny games cast is done by this artist named orioto who is super dope i've been a huge fan for for a decade now which is crazy um but behind me i have five of the pieces uh, like prints framed and one of them the one in the corner yeah right there is this one you're looking at right now Metal Gear Solid 2 um, and it's fucking gorgeous guys oh, nice. are you kidding oh, yeah. me Bear, are you that glad that it. you weren't actually spoiled yeah so this is something I wanted to bring up because um, this was a, a weird thing that happened and it was like hard to like really gather what I was actually being spoiled about so it was the week that we had started the Metal Gear Solid series playthrough where I tweeted out like Tomorrow, it's finally happening. I'm finally playing a Metal Gear game that isn't Survive. And then Greg retreated it, so naturally it got a lot of attention, and then naturally it got some shitheads where some dude uh, responded to Greg uh, immediately and was like, I hope no one spoils for you that uh, 1 and 2 are uh, all in a simulation. And, like, I read that and I was like, fuck, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. It probably is. I immediately blocked the dude. 
And then, like, in my mind, I was like... He said it was all in VR. Yeah, he said it was all in VR or some shit. And I, in my mind, I was like, so is it all in the Matrix? Like, what's happening with that? Like, where's going... So the fact that it, like, was a different interpretation of sim- a simulation and, like, uh, this, like, uh, the thing where it's, like... Uh, these these kind of like pre-planned like events essentially it, at least that's the way I interpreted it uh, as we finished Metal Gear Solid Two today. It was interesting to see how that came together and how that uh, asshole was trying to to spoil me of that experience. It's it's yeah it's one of those things where with Metal Gear Solid the franchise it's I think it's so difficult to actually spoil shit. Like you can spoil shit, but there I mean you've played two Metal Gear Solid games now there's a reveal every five seconds and it's so, nonsense like, until it's, it's not nonsense and then exactly. plus, even what you're that saying about still kind of nonsense but, but that's the thing Blessing was making such a good point and like I it, for many things this is like just like lip service bullshit where it's like well of course if you play through it a million times you're going to understand it all like there is an artistry to the way that these early games specifically are designed where it's like yeah playing through it gives you more where you're actually getting what's there for you and it's like it's with the words complex and convoluted are often uh used as synonyms when they're not and i think that when you look at kojima's storytelling with this stuff there are moments that are convoluted but those convoluted moments are always in service of a complex narrative and then complex characters and i think that that's kind of uh what what really makes it special and again like tam i cannot give enough props for just like making me appreciate this franchise even more just listening to him talk about it all and like i was i was in love with watching you guys on the stream in the moment where uh in in mgs2 you walk into this hallway and there's blood everywhere and there's dead soldiers and you guys didn't even get the reference to oh this is cyborg ninja from the first game but done in a different way here and i just love that that's something that i've known and i've reflected on thought about for 20 years now but that it was just a moment for you that you're you're so in the moment that's happening you're not thinking about the context of all of that and next time you played through you would get it you would totally see it all coming because it the game mgs2 does a good job of just being the first game again but without you realizing that until they reveal it you know what yeah. i mean yeah because yeah, because it's front loading you with like a lot of story and plot that does feel different enough Mm-hmm. Um, and you're being told it's a sequel and, you know, Snake is on a different adventure and stuff like that. Um, so I, mean, I love yeah. I love uh, the reaction that you ha- you had, Barry. And I think Mike had the reaction too. where two two hours into the game where you they give you the sticks as Raiden and you have the kernel call and he starts explaining to you all the tutorial stuff. And it's like, bro, I played the first game. I've been playing this game for two hours. Why does the kernel keep calling me to do all this tutorial shit? Like, what the fuck is going on here? And again, like, there's so much stuff in there where it's like, you know, we're like, we, me and me, Tam, and the rest were like, yeah, well, this, all, this stuff is all on is all on purpose. But even as I was saying that, I was like, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know, like, I don't know if Garrett's gonna get there and go, oh, this all makes sense. But by the time we all got there, you know, at least for me, I was like, oh yeah, no, this really does feel like it is all according to plan in terms of trying to replicate what the first game is. You know, we were having the talk after we beat mgs2 of yeah you can take any of the big moments from mgs2 and compare it to a moment from mgs1 there is some sort of equivalent there and it all feeds into like the quote-unquote simulation vr thing uh that uh i guess the person spoiling it on twitter was trying was trying to tell you about right and that the game builds up uh tim bringing up the super super bunny hop video has really excited because you know it was fun 
toward the end there, especially as you had those final codec calls with the colonel where they're going on their long spiel, uh, spiel about uh, like misinformation and memes and all this shit. And memes, you know, like motherfucking talk about memes in two thousand one. And it's the thing where you know, like there, people are going back and forth in chat about what's a stretch and what's not. And the thing for me with MGS two and talking about how for me as uh, how prophetic that game is is the thing of when it comes to art and when it comes to the theme specifically tackled MGS two. Obviously, Kojima is not talking about the funny images on Twitter, right? Like when he's talking about memes, when he's talking about the concept of memes or digitized information, it's all about parallels and it's all about what you take from it. You know, the fact that I think for me, or at least for for Metal Gear Solid, is a game that came out. Metal Gear Solid Two for a game that came out in two thousand one. I'm sure there were people in the in that era already talking about digitized information in a very deep way and in a popular way because it was the the internet was fresh. You know, people people had these concepts. People were talking about these things. Kojima wasn't inventing anything, but the way that Kojima was framing that stuff and was talking about that stuff and was talking about certain concepts, tackling certain concepts in a way that um, him talking about fake news and digitized information and false information and and passing down information and the way that information can get twisted as you're passing it down the way that that has blown up in the last six years i think is the thing that really makes that game shine right like kojima was the one to say it the way that he said it and for for mgs2 as a, as a work of art for us playing it we get to take from it what we take from it and i feel like for us and i'm barry it's your first time playing it so you can probably say it better watching or going through those sequences in 2021 it's way different than I'm sure anybody playing that game in 2001 would have taken away from it. And, you know, it goes back to yeah. what Tim said at the beginning of one of the streams talking about how MGS2 is one of the best aging games of all time in terms of story. And like, I think that that is 1000% fact. Remember when he apologized for predicting stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, this was really earlier this year. He's like, sorry about all the stuff I predict. Like, I don't want it to come true. And like, <laughs> how, I mean, you think about, again, the parallels keep getting drawn, but the fact that Death Stranding is about staying inside and hiding from an invisible threat outside is just like, <laughs> the craziest fucking thing ever. And the only people working are delivery people. Like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And, like, you know, the fact that, like, delivery... Uh, the fact that the year after that game comes out, there is the whole thing with the USPS and, like, you know, the government getting rid of that and the back and forth there. And, like, yeah. there's so many parallels and so many shit that obviously, like... I mean, theoretically, Kojima didn't know that the USP, USPS was going to be under fire. Theoretically, <laughs> theoretically, this man says. I mean, what is this to theoretically, he could be breaking the simulation. He's trying to wake up, uh, wake us all up. You know, that's my thing. Is I don't know what I believe anymore when it comes to Kojima. This I mean, man predicts yeah, too much. Playing shit. it in 2021 is it, it again? It's fascinating, and it, it like I. It's it's wild that this man was talking about all of these things back in 2001, where it's like I I doubt like gamers were really thinking a lot about like the the political machine, especially in like Western society, you know, in, in, in the same way that we oh, think about. I was about 12 it. years old. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm straight not up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, the, so, like, the other reality of this is for most of us, like I don't want to speak for anybody, but but please, somebody stand up with me if you agree. We didn't get this shit. It was fun. And it was like, oh, my God, the stealth is awesome. And you can blow up the watermelons in first person. Like, holy shit. There's magazines and lockers. That's crazy. Like, other, and Raiden had a sword. Like, it was oh funny, that, it, it was funny that he was naked. As a 12-year-old, and I'm, I got to assume it was the same way as hearing, you know, um, Luke, I am your father or 
I see dead people and Bruce Willis was dead mm. the whole time. That the moment of that for me, well, I mean, there was plenty of moments throughout Metal Gear One and Two that I had those were like, oh my god, no way! I'm a ten year old. Like, let me take a hit of this blunt, you know. But the moment that did it for me was the Patriots have been dead for hundreds of years. I was like, holy yeah, fuck, dude. Dude. I gotta dude. tell my dad about this. <laughs> like, for, me, it, for me, it was turn off the game, uh, Snake, or whatever oh, he just said too. to write it. Yeah. Like, that is the moment from the game I remember the most because I remember playing that and being scared. I remember that terrifying me, me not knowing what was real or not anymore. Yeah, I was because I was young, scared. obviously, and like it was the way the, the way they framed that and the way they introduced that. I think it's just so well paced out. And yeah, like that all the way up to the end of the game was scary. But I'm with Tim that for me when I played it, most of it was gibberish, and I played it uh, way after 2001, right? I probably played it in like 09, uh, 2010, and even then. A lot of the stuff I kind of got, but didn't get right. Like I was like 17, I guess 16, 17 at the time. I would I would imagine. Uh, and yeah, like so much of it was me understanding that Kojima has some weird ass shit to say and going along with it. I didn't think that hard, uh, that much about Metal Gear Solid 2 until maybe like 2017 when I started going back and rewatching cutscenes and going, man, a lot of this shit happening right now in the world seems kind of familiar. Maybe I should go back and see what's going on in this game and, like, re-experiencing it and understanding that, oh, I get what this game is now. I totally understand all the shit he was going for. Well, re-experiencing the Metal Gear Solid series through the eyes of Bear Courtney and Snowbike Mike has been one of my favorite things this year. Uh, they're going to continue. They just... Oh, no, they're going to be starting Metal Gear Solid 3 very soon. I can't wait. I can't wait, guys. Oh, my Lord. So much fun things. Everybody, to make sure to. you go subscribe over there. Yeah. Where, Andy? YouTube.com slash kind of funny plays. It's P-L-A-Y-S. It's not kind of funny games. It's a different YouTube channel. That's where all the Twitch streams go. Go subscribe. Go show it some love. Yeah, And you, if love. you haven't watched any of the, the playthroughs yet, they're all up there in uh, one playlist right now as well for your convenience. And they're fantastic. I highly recommend all of them. Honestly, it's some of the the only content that I'm like in my free time. I'm just putting it on, just letting it happen because like just the conversations there, man. It, and I, what I love too is the amount of times like someone on the team will just pop in for a little bit, just hang out and like leave. Like ah, it's just oh, awesome. Yeah. Let us know in the comments below what you think about Metal Gear Solid Two. What you think about Blessings No Good Very Bad Video Game Month uh, and anything else you want to talk about? If you just want to say hi to Andy. You know what? Don't be a coward. Say hi to Andy, okay? Uh, we're about to do the Patreon exclusive post show, but until next time.